Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Paddy in Korea has written in. He says Erling Braut Haaland is making waves at Salzburg and is on course to eclipse his father's career, which wouldn't be difficult to be fair if you remember <laughs> Alfinger Haaland's career. Uh, he wants to who is the panel's favourite football son? And he says, mine's the obvious, Paolo Maldini. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to go Frank Lampard. Yes. When did Frank Lampard stop becoming Frank Lampard Jr. Junior, and just yeah. became Frank? It just never—it was like seamless transition, yeah. wasn't it? Was yeah. he ever Frank Lampard Jr.? He was, I remember. And I think it was the, the day when he became Fat Frank. <laughs> <laughs> Any others for the? Well, the there's uh, well, Chicharito. His dad was also a striker. That's right. Veron, uh, yeah. yeah. I remember really? as well. His Brujita, because his dad was Bruja. Do you know that Aubameyang's dad was a footballer? I kind of read it. Two yeah, as well, I read yeah. that about at some point, but must have, you know, mm. Holland kind of. Thing I suppose. Not I've got Lilian and Marcus uh, Turam. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah that's um, right. But yeah. only because he saved my uh, fantasy football team last week. <laughs> <laughs> my favourites. I remember in the nineties there was this big craze uh, in in the Premier League that Manchester United have signed Johan Cruyff's son. <laughs> yeah, and it was Jordi Cruyff. Jordi, right? Yeah, and he was rubbish. Just <laughs> <laughs> like a bit such a letdown. But it's weird. Like I've always wondered why genetically. So many footballers produce good football in Sunday. It's probably genetics and also like you know a bit of. I mean, if if your dad is a is a is a professional footballer, I mean, I used to kick the ball around with my dad, but by any means he wasn't a professional footballer. So how much was I meant to learn from him? No <laughs> offense, Dad, love him to bits, but you know maybe that's something yeah, about that. Got more of an opportunity to be seen by the club scout. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. also yeah. true. Players, yeah. isn't it, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think you're kind of like it's kind of like the family trade now. So you're kind of like pushed <laughs> towards that at some point. But since it's funny, you know. It, Really isn't that bad of a thing to do, is it? So you kind of just get into it. You have, you know, a professional as a fucking coach in your house. So just roll with it, I guess. Yeah. Well, anyway, I'm Dan Burke. Welcome to the One Football Podcast. I'm here with my three sons, Alex Mott, <laughs> Toby Herman, hi, Dad, and Daniel Cadena Jordan. Hello, Father. Uh, if you'd like to get your questions into us for next week's show, like Paddy's done there, the email address to find them at is podcast at onefootball.com, or you can also hit us up on Twitter at onefootballen. Uh, we're going to kick off with the Premier League this week. Uh, it feels like appropriate to start the Premier League section with another deep dive into the problems at Manchester United. Alex, I know this is a subject dear to your heart. Were you surprised at all by that defeat at West Ham on Sunday? No, not at all. I think, and it's not a particularly original uh, observation, but even if you just look at the starting 11s for both teams, how many of Man United's players would get into West Ham's team? De Gea? Maguire? And I honestly think that's it. You look at the front four, Felipe Anderson, Yarmolenko, Pablo Fornaus and Sebastian Aller. Yeah. That's miles better than Man United's team. And I think the most damning thing for United is West Ham didn't even play that well. Yeah. <laughs> like, they were very average, I thought West Ham were, and they still looked head and shoulders above United. There's just no, there was just no like, imagination going forward, no drive from the midfield. The first goal, you look at how many touches Martin Noble had before he passed before he passed the Armalenko. Matic was just standing off him, he skipped around him, he had five or six touches and then he passed. There was just no intensity. It was just it was so bad. I think it's as bad a performance as I can remember. And there's just as far as I'm concerned, they're not getting in the top six this season if they carry on like that. They haven't won an away game since Paris. Um, I think in the 17 games since Solskjaer's been uh, made full-time manager, they've won four Premier League games. 
and yeah, it doesn't work like this but if you extrapolate that out over a 38 game season that's like 45 down, points <laughs> do you think do you think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they know that they're mediocre or playing a very very average brand of football I think it, but they're aware of it I mean but I think everything is wrong at United from the top down I, I don't think Solskjaer is a very good manager and that doesn't help but their recruitment's bad just Every decision they make has been they've made has been wrong in the past sort of five six years. Um, the decision to make Solskjaer the permanent manager after Paris was just so knee jerk. Edward would play into the crowd. They've spent eight hundred million since Ferguson left. I mean, how many of those are de- were decent players? Very very few. They probably squandered six hundred million of that, which is a disgrace, really. Um, they're just they're just a club going nowhere and the Premier League doesn't wait for you just because you're a big club you know you might as well I don't know it's like Hamburg winning the European Cup in the 1980s no one cares anymore (laughs) soon nobody are going to care that Man United were brilliant in the 90s and the early 2000s it doesn't matter that's not how football works I just yeah they're they, I don't know. I do, it's just everything is bad about Man United at the moment. <laughs> well, what did you make of that footage which uh, appeared to show Phil Jones <laughs> in the crowd? <laughs> getting a bit of a bollocking from Ed Woodward for saying, uh, it, sounded like, it looked like he said sacks in the morning. That's I mean, I did not. Yeah, 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 so I mean, I'm not a lit reader, obviously, but that, I don't know. It doesn't, I'm sure that wasn't what was said. But even so, it's just the fact that that was, that could even be considered as a thing that might be said by a player behind, you know, by, uh, behind the chairman is just I don't know it's just sums up everything that's wrong with United at the moment really. Phil Jones has got a nerve as well can you see him getting rid of Solskjaer anytime soon or do you think they've sort of painted themselves into a bit of a corner with him now I just uh, who who's going yeah. to want to go to Man United like if you're the lack of alternatives if you're on Allegri would you go to Man United I'm not sure you would you look at their squad they haven't they haven't got that many world-class players, probably two. Yeah. I, t- I think they've got to give him time. They can't. They, sh- they shouldn't have appointed him in the first place, but they've got to give him time if they're, you know, if they're serious. They've got January where they can potentially bring players in. I just, they're just a club in stasis. And it- big problem is that definitely like find a new manager that wants to take over that squad because it's not even a developing squad. It's just just Stagnant. not not a lot of potential to to work with. So what, what like. Get Guardiola, and then even even he would be uh, struggling yeah, with I that the, squad. Wouldn't what he? they're like, probably I mean, hoping it's... for is Pochettino leaves Tottenham yeah. and he'll take over. But again, why would Pochettino want to go to Man United? I just I know they are a big club and they do have a lot of money to spend. But if the, the recruitment's been as bad as it has been over the past six years, then yeah. they can't be trusted with that sort of money. And you know they're. Daniel James has come in and he's looked really good. Wan Bissaka, you know, is a young, promising player and you know he looks okay. Maguire looks like a leader and that's great. But it says something when the three players you brought in the summer are already probably the three of your most <laughs> important yeah, players. It's, it's just true, yeah. they can't. There's no sort of structure for them to build around. I just, yeah, personally, I think they've got to give Solskjaer a bit more time. But um, yeah, it's it's not looking good at all. Danny, you were saying before we started that Ed Woodward was saying to investors uh, yesterday that they've got to wait until, they're sort of realistically going to wait until 2022 for a title challenge now. Yeah, for actual results, which yeah. is, uh, I think, not only like a big wake-up call of how keen they are on, on that being the purpose, right, but also, 
you know, the fact that they're aware that, you know, it's just three more years of lackluster performances, of rebuilding, at, and this is the best case scenario. This is at least three years, what he says. So they are aware there's this huge, like, long-term project that has to develop out of this. A huge learning curve as well, because what went wrong when everything goes wrong? Mm -hmm. Definitely something must have kickstarted that. They have to, like, reverse engineer, I think, uh, like a top, like a bottom-to-top solution kind of thing. And uh, so far... I think three years sounds a bit ambitious, even for as bad as things are right now. Because mm -hmm. uh, we're gonna get into that, I think, later. But it, it does feel like they're definitely out of their depth now in the top six, isn't it? I mean, yeah. it feels like United isn't anymore the team, you know, that you were afraid to, you know, meet up in Europe. I mean, Paris seemed a bit nervous, because more more because of the history than anything. But had it been, I don't know, Real Madrid, Juventus, like teams with a bit more lineage in Europe, I don't think they would have, you know, flinched that much mm -hmm. at Old Trafford. It's a uh, bit worrying for United fans, actually. Yeah, that, you true. know, big clubs go through these phases, like, you know, they're, they're being dominant for, let's say, a decade, even like, I mean, take Bayern Munich, for instance, like, for a decade, reach the semi finals, more or less no problems. But, you know, at some point, you got to revamp the, the squad a little bit. And then you take two, three years until you're back in the European um, uh, top clubs. But, you know, it doesn't seem to be the case for Man United. If anything, it, mm. it goes worth with. Every year. I think the only saving grace for United is the fact that Chelsea don't look very good. Spurs are in a bad <laughs> moment, as Guardiola would say. Wolves, <laughs> we thought might finish in the top six, are struggling with the yeah. demands of playing in Europe as well. Leicester are looking good at the moment. Can they be consistent over 38 games? Not sure. So that's probably the only saving grace, I think, for mm. United at the moment. But yeah, like I said, they, they haven't won away since March. And if they keep that up, then they're not, obviously not going to finish in the top six, are they? And right. I, I think even Old Trafford now isn't a place where... Yeah, it feels safe anymore. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, they they beat Leicester a few weekends ago, and but that was through a penalty. The, they played well against Chelsea in the opening day of the season, but Chelsea were incredibly naive that day. Mm. You sort of look at their next few fixtures and you think, they're going to drop points in it, all of those games. Mm. I just, yeah, it's a, a big worry if you're mm. a United fan. But well, Patrice Evers offered to help out by as well. What could go wrong there? Monday motivation there. <laughs> uh, elsewhere, Liverpool re-established their five-point lead at the top of the table with a 2-1 win at Chelsea. Um, the accepted wisdom before the start of the season was that Liverpool couldn't possibly repeat what they did last season this year. Do you think they can? They're looking pretty good again, yeah, aren't they? Yeah, I think they, uh, this game on Sunday was sort of what champions are made of, really. They <laughs> didn't play particularly well. I thought Chelsea in the second half looked pretty good. Um, but, yeah, they ground out a result. That I thought Fabinho looked really good in the centre of the park. Um, Trent Alexander Arnold was superb. I thought going forward, probably the best right back. Great in, goal for yeah, as well, wasn't it? Best yeah. right back in the Premier League at the moment. Um, they just they just look like a team with a plan, with a structure. They just know what their jobs are when they go onto the pitch. They can go anywhere and beat anyone. They've got that confidence now. Um, I just and again the complete opposite to Man United if you look at their next six fixtures um, I think they've got Sheffield United next and a few other, a few other sort of relegation candidate teams they don't look like they, you look at their fixtures and then they don't look like they're going to drop points mm -hmm. even against top six opposition really the, mm -hmm. and I think the key games are going to be against Man City aren't yeah. they they're going to be the games that decide the title again so um, I thought they looked brilliant on Sunday despite not playing particularly well it was a sort of brilliant yeah. performance um, just yeah, they look really, really good. Mm. Probably, probably the best team in Europe at the moment. I think Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. Not seen the one at eight nil. We'll move, we'll move on. <laughs> um, a lot of people looked at that Allison injury at the start of the season as like a big problem for Liverpool, but Adrian's done pretty well. In his yeah, it was a good one-on-one -on -one save with Tammy Abraham. I think 
having just said what I just said, um, I think teams will probably take a bit of heart from Chelsea's second half performance. They really they did get at Liverpool, and it did look a little bit nervy. Um, the Kante goal was you know a bit of individual brilliance, mm. but it, you know it's sort of he did sort of skip round Jordan Henderson a bit too easy, and um, and they are playing an incredibly high line at the moment. Liverpool. I've, I read I think it was uh, is it Linders Pep Linders the assistant mm. say that. Because of VAR, which I'm sure we'll get onto a bit later on, but because of VAR, they're playing even higher than they were last season because they know that nine times out of ten they're going to be able to get away with an offside, um, which was like the disallowed goal in the first half. So they, which they could potentially get caught like they did for that Abraham chance in the first half. But yeah, yeah Adrian looks yeah really confident. But I think Allison said that he's nearing. Uh, fitness pretty so soon so, yes yeah, yeah. but it'll obviously be a big improvement to them in defence but yeah I, I thought they just they just looked like champions to me on mm-hmm. Sunday really have you decided where you think Chelsea might finish this season yet um, I I really really don't know one week they look great I think <laughs> like they did against Wolves and then I mean like I said they looked good in the, se- in the second half um, on Sunday but they just they're so inconsistent they're so all they? over like, the place um, they just at the back they just they just don't really look like they know what they're doing but then going forward they look exceptional so they're going to be a really fun team to watch this season I just yeah I I don't think they'll finish top four I think they're too they're letting too many goals um, so who's your top four at Liverpool City <laughs> Spurs Leicester it's only really at the moment sitting in Liverpool <laughs> yeah. you could say for sure isn't it yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, you mentioned VAR there was a goal disallowed by VAR in this game and one in the Spurs game and mm. Leicester as well uh, both were very tight but ultimately correct offside calls I'll ask you two about this one because you two have been watching leagues where VAR has been uh, present for a lot longer than in the Premier League where do you stand on this aspect of the VAR debate this uh these really tight offside you know it was um, so- Son. Son's sort of armpit was uh, offside from one of the goals it's, it's I think like, for me the, the, first of all the rules still don't seem to be very clear so what is it is it the foot I don't understand if the arm is um, just well, it's you a know. part of your body that can score a goal isn't it so it's if your shoulder is offside yeah, I is just, it? yeah. it's a solution looking for a problem <laughs> yeah but yeah, I think can, can we not just make it as easy as it is and like if, if your whatever front foot is offside mm. you're offside I don't see why your left arm you should know, intervene in the hole. Should intervene there. I mean, you can't score with your arm. Um, it's, I think that the rules, and obviously we had that in Germany when they introduced the VAR, it's all been very, very messy. Like we have these sort of um, calibrated lines that, you know, the VAR can say, which apparently tells them exactly whether he's offside or not, but no one really knows whether they're working. So um, for my part, I don't really actually have a clue how they properly check whether that's offside, and can you actually tell whether that's five centimeters or two and a and half? When and that makes a difference yeah. as well. When you're talking about inches it? as well, we like, and I, I know people like Jonathan Wilson have spoken about this, but you can't that when there's 50 frame rates per second on a TV screen, mm. you can't stop it at the exact moment yeah. the ball yeah, exactly. leaves the foot. Exactly. Yeah. So when you're talking about inches, it's not a definitive answer, and. It's, and also it's the consistency of the decision making we're going off we're saying it's offside after a few inches but then in the Newcastle Liverpool game a few weeks ago um, Jamal Lascelles almost yeah. took Matt's head off in the, in the penalty box 
looked like had his arm around his around his neck and no penalty was given mm-hmm. so it's like uh, it, I just yeah, yeah. I, I hate it I really really hate it I, <laughs> beforehand there was like 94% of decisions were correct yeah. we, we don't need to completely alter the game that we all love for the extra 2% <laughs> I just oh, yeah, it's frustrating it. to watch, it, isn't it? It's, it's, a, it's it. a margin of error that yeah. I think infuriates everybody. Not only the the technical aspect, which is you know, something you have to definitely look into. Like if you're inches off, and plays where that distance, like that, you know, yeah, distance makes a difference. Then you know you kind of have to like recalibrate that a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but also, think that what happened is that referees now know that that's an option, so they go they go for it, or they yeah. they just avoid the whole issue of them making the decision themselves, right? So I know VAR has to call you to in order to like clear a situation, but they have to read the referee in order to decide whether or not he's gonna actually take it, make a decision or not. There needs to be communication between both of them. Yeah, exactly. There has to be that, and there has to be something a bit more clarity because as a tele- as even in the stadium, you don't really understand what the hell they're talking about or what actually went on. So you compare that with other sports that also have VAR or their version of yeah. VAR, like video assistance and mm-hmm. the NFL, NHL, whatever. It's 30 seconds, and you already have a verdict. You know what happened. The dude with the microphone comes on. He says, you know, five offense, and, you know, go that way, and that's it. Like, everyone's on the same, you know, uh, place. Whereas in football, you kind of have this feeling of not fully trusting the verdict because you don't even understand You what don't know what's going on. I've been to the, exactly. the Hertha Paderborn game on, on, Saturday, terrible, on yeah. Saturday, and it was actually my first ever VAR decision that I've um, seen in the stadium. And for about three minutes, I was it's just absolutely clueless. So I went on Twitter in the stadium. It's like, all right, here, here we go. And now <laughs> yeah, I at least have a clue what was going on. Then, yeah, and so it was like first, it was like I think it was an offside situation, and it was like, oh, no goal. But then, like the screen changed to <laughs> goal, and I'm like, decision yeah, overruled. Uh, and so, like, what is happening over just here? Just mic the dudes. It's, it's incredibly I mean, frustrating. Just mic everybody up. Let everybody oh, hear. That's more entertaining too, I think. Like if you get everybody talking about not the players, I'm not I mean, sure, but, not sure. But like the refs, like for the VAR, they just activate the thing. Let let the guy say on the PA, yeah, yeah it was a foul, or no, he was an offside. Sorry, guys, and just turn it off and live on your life. And but everyone we, would just get on with it, like you know, no, we wouldn't just accept the decision and move on, and we'd all have you know, no. But at least you know what the hell's going on. That's yeah. a step forward in, in the right direction, I think. <laughs> but at least. It, uh, <laughs> I know it's boring to talk about, but the idea was that controversy would be out Over. of the game yeah. forever <laughs> it'd be right or wrong but the controversy just shifted it's, and it's so much to whether it's shit or not so it's yeah, just, I just it's pointless people like. say what will we talk about in the pub <laughs> <laughs> yeah. no, it's, it's like I think the frustrating bit about it is because you would think oh these are smart people being in charge of the game you know it'll improve over time in Germany, we're what now in the Bundesliga? We're in the third season now, and it's frustrating um, it's as, as bad, it was yeah. on the first day. And mm-hmm. I think you know it'll get worse. Like in five years, we'll have commercial breaks doing VAR and whatever. Like mm. um, oh, yeah, I'm a big be. fan of fairness, and you know if it makes the game better and fairer, and you know. But then again, on the other hand, I think like what we what we have things like the, the Maradona hand of God and all that. You know, it's part of the game, and I've said this before. You know, it's not. I think I could live with 5% of, you know, wrong decisions. Exactly, yeah. Exactly. Even though it means you miss out on a trophy yeah. or whatever. But, you know, that's why at the end of the day is one of the reasons why we love the game because of all the drama yes. and, and, you know, that's involved. And um, the, the drama that the VR, uh, VAR adds, it's, it's definitely something I don't need. Mm. Don't know what you've got till it's gone, do you? <laughs> uh, Spurs, that defeat of Leicester, uh, they're now without a way winning the Premier League since January. And they got knocked out of the Carabao Cup by League mm. 2 Colchester last night. What is going on there, Alex? Yeah, it's a difficult one. I think he's been there six seasons now. Um, essentially, the playing squad has 
stayed the same in that entire time. I know Alex Ferguson used to say that four years was the maximum you could get out of the same squad of players. Um, and they just don't seem to have kicked on. Especially, you know, losing the Champions League final must have been such a huge disappointment for everyone. They, they, admittedly, they overachieved in the Champions League, but to get that close and then to not really perform on the day must have been hugely disappointing for everyone. And I think that they've obviously brought in a few new players, but Lacelso has been injured, Sessegnon's been injured, um, and Dombele hasn't really lived up to the hype so far. Um, and then you've got players, and obviously the whole Ericsson thing with Real Madrid clearly wants to go. He's clearly had his head turns. That and that will bleed into the rest of the squads. So it, it 100% will. Then you've got Harry Kane coming out after the Olympiacos game and saying we're not young anymore. We need to, you know, we need to rectify the, the same mistakes that we keep making. And then Pochettino has gone public last night and mm. said um, there's different agendas inside the squad, and until until we sort that out, we can't move forward as a club so for him to go public with that there must be something really huge going on behind the scenes and the way he's talking and the way he looks I would not be surprised if he walks maybe before Christmas if they, Ed if, Woodward likes yeah, that yeah if results <laughs> keep on going the way they are and they just don't I mean how bad has Deli Ali been this for well he's poor last year as well yeah for yeah, yeah. almost 18 months now nobody's they're sort of relying on Harry Kane to do something every game. Sons looked good, to be fair, um, but they just—I don't know—they just look like they're standing still. And in the Premier League, when you stand still, you go backwards. Yeah, that's you? true. Definitely. Um, I, 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 I I've maybe hit, hit their ceiling a bit as well. Spurs. Possibly, and I, but they've been overachieving for a long time. Mm. Um, maybe this is just sort of regressing to the mean a little bit. But I, I've heard a lot of. Uh, well not a lot but a few Tottenham fans on Twitter admittedly saying Pochettino out and all that sort of mm. stuff that's nonsense they he's he is one of the best managers in the world and I, I would back him to turn it around I just think they need a big sort of squad overhaul and they need to get rid of players that don't want to be there and that will be difficult um, but as, as sometimes you've Sometimes you've got to go backwards to go forwards, mm, I suppose. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a difficult one, and last night's result won't help. But yeah, I would back Pochettino to turn it around, definitely. And Marco Silva at Everton, <laughs> to turn it around. I absolutely don't. Well, they beat Marco Sheffield Silva, Wednesday yeah. in the cup last night. Um, they did. Yeah, our friend Elliot Rettland was there. I saw. Um, well, he texted me at the weekend and said it feels like the beginning of the end for Marco Silva. I just don't know what Marco <laughs> Silva is bringing to Everton. Really, I don't think he knows his best team at the moment. Um, he's playing Morgan Schneidlin in midfield, which is not the answer. Well, that's the answer. I don't know <laughs> what, what the question, question is. <laughs> um, it's like he's keeps Tom Davis on the bench they, they've they spent big as well in the summer Moisey, Moisey Ken doesn't I don't know he just looks a shadow of what he was towards the end of last season at Juventus yeah. um, they've got a really really good team that <laughs> and, they should, and they should be kicking on for top six um, but they just they again they just look like a team that football's so sort of pedestrian isn't it a lot of just sort of passing sideways and I, and yeah direction. and I know the Everton fans are quite demanding but they I Obviously, Everton fans can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think they would not be happy, but they would accept mid-table if it meant playing exciting, attacking football, a team that sort of looked like they knew what they were doing going forward and scoring goals, but they just don't offer anything at the moment. They, they look good defensively, but their front line is sort of pretty tragic if you look at it just on paper. So, yeah, I've, I don't... 
I personally don't think Michael Silva is a man's taken forward, but uh, maybe someone like Eddie Howe at Bournemouth or um, yeah, someone like that could breathe new life into the club. I've got a theory about Eddie Howe. I think Eddie Howe is working <laughs> in his sort of perfect climate. Yeah. I don't think he could really replicate that anywhere else. I have a feeling that he could just tank if he leaves Bournemouth. Yeah, basically. I suppose he did. And I think he knows it. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Uh, I mentioned it earlier, Manchester City won 8-0 against Watford on Saturday. They were 5-0 up after 18 minutes, the quickest the team has raced into a five-goal lead in Premier League history. Do you think that was an angry reaction to that defeat at Norwich the week before? Yeah, I think it probably was. Um, I'll be honest, this sort of left me a bit cold, really. It, it was, left me a bit cold. It was very clinical, very, I don't know, I just... After about 3-0, I was just laughing every time. Yeah, I just, and Watford just didn't put up much of a fight, did they? And it genuinely could have been about 14, couldn't it, the mm, amount of chances yeah. they had. Yeah, I think it probably was a reaction to the Norwich game. Um, but, I mean, I don't know, you just feel like they could do that 10 times a season to teams like Watford, but they, yeah, they just felt in the mood on Saturday. Mm. I don't know, I just, it was pretty dull to, if you ask me well done <laughs> to be fair what, <laughs> what, what, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to be fair to what foot like probably have given up after 3-0 because like, yeah, you, you yeah. see oh there's no fucking point of um, doing anything about this you just mm. let it happen I um, would I would say though that I thought De Bruyne was absolutely superb yeah he was really, the really first good. goal was yeah, insane and it, he's yeah. uh, far and away the best player in the Premier League mm. for me at the moment yeah he was very good but um, yeah it's yeah Bernardo Silva scored a hat-trick in that game one with his head two with his left foot Marcus Stafford writes what is it called when a player gets one goal with each foot and one with their head also are there any that you lot can recall in English it's a perfect that's hat-trick that's a perfect hat-trick what yeah. do you call it in, in your respective tongues I don't think there's a word in Spanish no, it's just, just a no hat-trick oh. equivalent of yeah just you don't have a special word when you score with no no I don't think so oh, th- th- I'm th- not th- sure th- actually you got me thinking well did you know that this was pre, sort of pre-war. A hat trick. You could only you could only be called a hat trick if you scored three, three goals consecutively. Oh, this is this like in, in, in Germany. That's still the yeah. rule. So, like, if you score three goals, whatever one nil, then someone else scores a two nil, and you know it's not a hat trick anymore. So, yeah. you, it has yeah. to be three consecutive goals um, in one half time as well. Oh, so. really? Cross there you go. Sense. We're a bit very very strict <laughs> about our rules, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think the ultimate perfect hat trick was scored by Jeff Hurst in the 1966 World Cup final. Yeah. Yeah, that was yeah, a Left foot, right foot header. Any more that you okay. can Remember Lewandowski did it once. The other it was it in Wolfsburg against yeah, Wolfsburg? Scored four. Yeah, he scored five games five, that sorry. day. In, within like what? Nine, nine minutes. Nine minutes or something. And like that, yeah. he managed to do a perfect hat trick in the process. So, <laughs> yeah. Fair play to him. The best hat trick I've seen recently was scored by Wickham Wanderers defender Joe Jacobson. Oh, yeah, I don't know if you saw that the other week. Right. Nope. <laughs> scored a free kick and then directly from two corners. Jesus. Wow. Yeah. Who did they play? Uh, was it? Can you remember? Was it Cheltenham? Possibly. It might have been Something Ling- like Lincoln, maybe. I, I can't remember. I, I want to shout out to uh, Tarek Fossu, uh, Oxford's uh, centre forward. He scored, <laughs> a, scored a cracking hat trick. Of course Lincoln you do. <laughs> was it a perfect hat trick? Uh, it was for you. Mm, uh, yeah, quite. No, it wasn't. <laughs> uh, as we record, we're in the middle of a, a round of Carabao Cup action. Um, there's been some some talk recently. I've noticed that people are talking about maybe scrapping the League Cup. Mm. I know they did it in France. Yeah. Um, I mean, get rid of it if you ask me. It's as a fan of a lower league club, it it should excite me. I suppose Oxford are playing West Ham tonight on the day we record, um, which is good. It's good for lower league clubs to get. Premier League teams into their ground and stuff but 
I just no one cares do they until they get to the semi-finals mm. I don't think any big yeah. club players and it's just an extra round of games that teams don't really need other countries only have one comp- comp- competition and that's fine yeah. I just I don't know it's, yeah. I think Alex made a good point for, for you know smaller teams lower league teams it's it's a great thing like um, and if they you know, potentially you, you, change you, the rules yeah. so if you're you, you draw know, City or whatever League 1, that's League 2 club you should automatically get a home draw maybe I don't know if they change yeah. it what if they excluded the Premier League teams from it and just had a make it voluntary for Premier League well that's the Johnston's paint trophy isn't it? get rid of that oh uh, okay yeah I don't uh, <laughs> I don't know. I just think more games doesn't necessarily mean more good football, does it? Yeah. Really? I mean, City played Preston last night. City picked a second string, and so did Preston. Yeah, like, what's yeah. the point, really? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. Uh, well, before we move away from England, uh, Toby, it would be remiss of us not to mention that Leeds United are top of the. I've written Premier League here in my notes, but that's not. True, <laughs> is it? I wish next year. Yeah. Next next year we're talking, <laughs> mate. <Yeah. laughs> How's uh, Bielsa's second season gone at Elland Road? It's going well. It's going really well. I mean, obviously, top of the tail. That's where we want to be. Um, not now, but by the end of the season. The only thing that worries me is the home record. Because um, uh, these games at home, are, I don't know whether you've watched any, but they're, they're kind of painful to watch. It's a bit like, it's almost Guardiola-esque, sort of. Very dominant. Like, um, I think in the game against, was it Swansea or Nottingham? Um, I think it was Nottingham. They, they drew 1-1. I think they had about 25 shots on I target. Forrest had one. <laughs> <laughs> and this is about the story of Leeds United's home games. Like, they're very, very dominant. They play very, very exciting football. It's quick. It's, it's, you know, it's just fun to watch until it comes to the opponent's box because you know all the the um, teams that travel to Allen Road do is like sit behind wait for these counter attacks mm-hmm. and um, it seems to work pretty well so far for them um, I think Leeds has um, played Derby at home that was 2-2 I think last week and then um, first home game was Nottingham 1-1 and they lost to Swansea at home which is like fine because Swansea obviously like being a serious contender for promotion as well um, a way complete different picture like you know um the um, Leeds plays away, you know, they've got a bit more space to score um, a lot more goals. But yeah, the, the, the home games, that worries me a little bit at the moment. Because mm. um, I can't see for the rest of the season any any team travelling to Elland Road being like, all right, let's give it a go. Because all they do is like sit back, wait for it. And I think that is potentially sort of a neck bre- um, breaker for, for mm. the Bielsa side. Um, but otherwise, like, I still beg in the results, which is, which is good. I still, um, apart from the Swansea game, haven't lost. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm very hopeful that at least I mean top six finish is out of the question. I'm pretty sure they'll do it, but you know I'd rather spare me the pain of going through that derby <laughs> game last season again. <laughs> well, Leeds won a trophy this week. Well, there you go, <laughs> fair play award, dirty Leeds. I mean, people who watched Billy Bremner in the seventies yeah, never imagined this. Yeah. I've seen I've never seen Twitter kicking off so much about how can dirty Leeds win a fair play trophy. I mean, like let's face it, if it wasn't about Marcelo Bielsa. They would have never gotten there. Yeah. <laughs> it's that you know the the, the charming Argent, um, the charming man from Argentina who's like you know coaching that side, and I think um, that's that's why they got a trophy. Mm. Otherwise, it would be like dirty leads. Come on, <laughs> seriously. Well, look, Bielsa wasn't at the ceremony. No, he, he got wasn't. Liam Cooper to read out. A, Liam uh, Cooper, and I think the physio was there as yeah, well to read out a, a message, and it went on for about eight minutes. And about how <laughs> my mother raised me to be fair, always be fair, and all this sort of stuff. And Liam it was for last se- and back in the last season, Leeds played Villa at Ellen Road, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, Leeds scored a goal while the Villa man was down injured, and they let them score an uncontested yeah. yeah. quarter. Yeah, yeah. And that pretty much blew Leeds' chances. Of, well, it did 
blew, blew the chance of Automat's promotion, didn't it? So it kind of uh, it was it was up to them at the end anyway. But you know, it was yeah, obviously that um, points dropped and yeah, mm. killed them at the end. But fair play. I mean, um, I think it's 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 a nice recognition of what I've what I've done. And even though like it's it's big money involved getting promoted, you know, still mm. still try and you know make it a fair game. I think it's a nice gesture, but. Personally, not getting too excited about FIFA or what. I mean, um, <laughs> I'm well. I'm sure we'll speak about that later on. But you know, these FIFA awards are never, well, we're never right sure now, what to think about these. Yeah. We're going to talk about it right now because am I being incredibly bitter, <laughs> 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 or is it madness that three Real Madrid players made the world it's, eleven it's, it's and insane. no Manchester it's City insane. players? I mean, what's the what's the parameter then? Because it's not success, definitely. It's what followers on Instagram? Is it likes? It just proves that footballers don't know anything about football. That's what it proves. Yeah. It's just they've been given a bit of paper to fill in and they thought, who's a left back? Oh, Marcelo's quite good. And that's all it is. (laughs) That's literally all it is. Um, They also scanned the very long list of uh, names of who was nominated for the main uh, men's player award. So it was nominated by captains and coaches of every national team in in FIFA's uh, world football. I didn't see a single City player's name on the list. Not one. Yeah, that. I mean, it is outrageous. That's it's, weird. It just doesn't make sense to me. No. I'm not like I don't care ultimately, but it just doesn't make any sense. To it me. is a bit yeah. baffling. Is it maybe because City last season did they have that one outstanding player? I mean, Raheem Sterling. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. That's the yeah, maybe they've got. They're all really good, rather than that one. Yeah. You know, like Hazard was amazing. It, Chelsea's one good player, maybe. Well, they won three trophies, and they didn't have the best manager in the world. They didn't have any world class players, so it just shows you what a <laughs> remarkable achievement. <laughs> <laughs> But it's, it's usually yeah. the Champions League winning manager that, that yeah, gets yeah, that, that trophy, nice. right? So yeah, I Ranieri think that's won it. I think didn't he when they won the Premier League? Oh, it did. Yeah, that's kind of fair enough. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, for the main award, Lionel Messi beat Virgil Van Dijk and Cristiano Ronaldo. It, I mean, I was a bit surprised by that, but do you think it's fair enough ultimately? Um, I mean, fifty-one goals and twenty-two assists in fifty games for Barca last season. I mean, if you put it that way, of course it's fair. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, it was a great season, not his best by far, not the best of Barca either. But I mean, yeah, I mean. If he if you do that too much damage in one season, I think you're entitled to it. But having said that, I don't know. I think uh, Van Dijk would have been a, a more fair. Um, yeah, you, you got to see it that way. Like Messi definitely won Barca the La Liga trophy, yeah. but Van Dijk Did, supposedly was, won the Champions was League, not to win the for Champions Liverpool. League. But yeah. you know, and he made them, a difference. So yeah, and he, and, the, and he was you know cornerstone to keeping them alive for this. What was it, 15 match day title race hunts kind of thing, like. I mean, it was really, really impressive what he did last season. There was a stat of Opta that just beginning the season, he had broken a record of, I think it was like 67 tri- uh, tries at tackles being successful. Like, how do you do that? I mean, that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a machine kind of performance. So, yeah. And, well, then you have Ronaldo, who did the equivalent of Messi, but in Italy with Juventus and, you know, tanking in the Champions League. So, yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, Van Dijk was... Yeah, more than an obvious call. It would have been nice for defenders to get some recognition. Well, yeah, so that too. That's, that that too. Was yeah. the last Can- Cannavaro was the last one, right? Yeah, Cannavaro was the last one, yeah, yeah. 2006. If he's not going to win wow. it this year, are we essentially saying that defenders can't win it, basically? Well, you're probably just, never going to see a defensive yeah. performance like that in a calendar. Yeah. Again, and right? also, how can you... And this is why individual... If When I'm in charge of football, individual awards will be banned, because they're <laughs> absolute nonsense. <laughs> nonsense yeah. But how can you... You can't compare Messi and Van Dijk. Yeah, it's yeah, very different. Exactly. Yeah. So, I don't know. 
Who cares, essentially? Well, well, exactly. Do, do, do we really care that much about the thief of the best award? Because I'm not sure about that. We'll do it all again when the Ballon d'Or rolls around. Well, <coughs> don't you worry. Yes. Uh, just a quick special mention for Megan Rapino, Jill Ellis, and Sari Van Vienendal, who won the Women's Player of the Year, Women's yeah. Coach of the Year, and Women's Goalkeeper of the Year, respectively. Yeah. Right, enough about individual awards. Let's talk about the Bundesliga. My first question, Toby or Danny, you can answer this one. Why did Marco Royce lose his shit with a journalist at the weekend? Because he lost his shit because they, you know, <laughs> threw away another three points they believe to have in the sack. Um, yeah, I think um, all over last season, especially in the second half, the media and like everybody else was a bit like, okay, Dortmund, very good side. Um, the only bit they're lacking is the mentality. And that was, there was a very, very obvious issue that I had last season. This summer, they brought in um, a few more players, um, Hummels, among others, who from the very beginning, said like as a squad we have to believe in it like we we will have to make sure that you know like once we are one nil two nil up that we win these games that you know we we're confident we've got self-esteem to do that and all that. but like it would appear they don't and um, I think the criticism is fair um, but I can also see that Royce like I mean obviously he played 90 minutes is absolutely done he's shuttered and then the, the the journalist comes on and asks him a question like that it was a bit bit rude as well the way he asked um so yeah, um, I can I can see why he lost his shit. And um, the funny bit was, Royce said that it's not a mentality problem. But after then, he sort of struggled to explain it, <laughs> like you know, sort of tiptoeing around words, like you know, we we will have to be more focused and concentration. <laughs> so you kind of like, oh mate, maybe you know, you it's all mental. Last time there I is a little bit of you know mentality <laughs> issue there. Um, yeah, I don't know. There, there's, um, I, I can't explain it to myself because I think the, the squad that Dortmund have is it's amazing. Like um, for me, I said before the season, they'll win the title, no doubt. But yeah, if you lose against, um, especially away uh, in Berlin against Union, mm-hmm. then you draw in in Frankfurt. Um, these games, you, you kind of have to win if you want to win the title. And mm-hmm. um, I think it's still the big difference between Bayern and Dortmund is that Bayern once they're one 0 up or two 0 up, they win these games. With Dortmund, um, you never know. Um, but honestly, I have no explanation for that. I can't. I, I, I mean, Hummels wasn't on the pitch anymore by the time Frankfurt scored their um, second goal. Obviously, it was an own goal by Delaney. Um, very unfortunate one. But yeah, I've, I've honestly, I have no idea. I, I can't explain to myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think it. Um, it's the learning curve kind of thing. Like Bayern know already how to win a title. They've been doing it for the past seven years, right? Of the Dortmund generation, that's still are still playing or still active that are in Dortmund I think it's what Hummels is the only one that's still around from the last time they won a title Royce wasn't there Pischek Schmidt yeah okay so you have um, three defenders basically Weigel was he as well no Weigel came in Tuchel I think yeah yeah. yeah, anyhow, maybe. so you have a very limited of experience of how to actually win the thing especially in your recent history you've lost key matches left and right you lost a Champions League final You've lost, uh, I mean, every single match last season that mattered to, like, keep it, like, stay in the race for the title. They blew it at some point. Mm-hmm. So, and the fact that he would, he snapped the way he snapped at that question, regardless of how rude it is, definitely tells you that. Bit of pressure, though. Yeah, it's, it's, mm-hmm. it, it's it, it, he's, he hit a bone there with that question. Um, and, you know, put it in context, this guy just missed a penalty kick against Barcelona that would have won him the game. Um, his team, and he's just saw, you know, Hummels, the other player who was amazing against Barcelona, being wheeled it off the pitch injured I mean you have to understand that obviously he's kind of on the spot again because now it's like last season where he's like the only you know so to speak 
leader uh, mm-hmm. within the pitch. Cause Let's not forget he is the captain, and like there is a, yeah. a great deal of like shielding exactly. the squad from from these kinds of I don't want to call allegations, but yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, there's that. I mean, it's a huge component, and you can tell that it all factors in. I mean, uh, the performance against Barcelona was brilliant. Against Frankfurt, they played really good football as well. Uh, but yeah, then you see this little slip-ups here and there, little mistakes that, as a captain, obviously, you have a hard time justifying the whole time, I suppose. Mm-hmm. I think it makes it pretty pretty um, hard for Dortmund as well, because all the other teams know that um, even if they're 1 or 2 nil up, you know, there is a chance they're of bouncing back from, yeah. from that, because they are vulnerable. And, um, well, maybe... They do have to get their shit together a bit and you know stay focused till the till the very end because I can't imagine that's a physical issue for Dortmund. No, like, I mean, surely like they're the top of the fitness levels. Yeah, I mean, and they have the squad deep enough now to yeah. finally like pull it off. Yeah. So it's, I mean, that's not the issue definitely. So walking tiptoeing around the answer is so much hate. It seems like a concentration issue. Let's put it Concent- that way. Let's put it that way. <laughs> very diplomatic. Marco Royce probably wouldn't like that, but we'll 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 agree on that for now. Uh, Bayern are currently second in the league after a four 0 win over Cologne at the weekend. I wanted to ask about some of their summer signings. Firstly, what have you guys made of Philip Coutinho so far? He's been doing all right, actually. Yeah, I mean he's he's a class player, no doubt about that. Um, he's had a very very good game against Cologne on Saturday, but then again he had a very good game against Cologne. Um, and not um, again. Our CEO isn't listening to this. He's <laughs> <laughs> a bit close. <laughs> well, this is <laughs> this is the minute we find out. Sacked. <laughs> well, it's been it's been a pleasure with you guys. Um, no, like he's got. Um, so um, we know, like in, in in the past, Bayern um, bought players who um, we thought they were they peaked. Like uh, Xavi Alonso, um, Robin back in the days, so everyone was like, "Why do you buy Robin? Like he is injured all the time." Turns out, like you know, this guy is a club legend now. Um, I think maybe that's sort of like the the continue way, or maybe that's going to be even a new Bayern kind of way to to do that. Um, he fits in the squad. I wasn't entirely sure whether he fits into the system that Kovac plays, but um, the issue that Bayern always had is like finding solutions when sort of they've got the ball and play around the opponent's box. And Coutinho definitely is, is um, a very, very nice option to have that because he's very good in you know, tight spaces, like pass the ball and it's obviously great technique, good finisher. Um, but he's got to prove it against big teams now, um, like in the Champions League. Tottenham game is coming up. Um, so yeah, he's got to um, he's got to prove himself there. Um, no disrespect against Cologne, obviously. I'm trying to save my job here. <laughs> 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 um, but... Um, yeah, you would think that you know a player of his class like is mm. going to be okay playing against Cologne. But yeah, l- l- give him time. I think like he'll make a difference. I saw that Kovac basically admitted that him and Muller can't play together. Was that a surprise? It's very or? difficult. Yeah, yeah, they overlap yeah. too much. Like their function, like Müller is a bit more intuitive than Coutinho maybe, and that why that's why he seems a bit more offensive. But it's, it's like basically the same style of play. Like the guy that just transitions the ball forward and kind of organizes it in a way that is efficient, quick, and everything. Coutinho's a bit artsier in that regard. But other than that, they fulfill the same function. So you can play them together. That would be fine. But you're going to have to sacrifice either speed on the flanks or you know sol- something a bit more solid in the middle. So yeah, it's it's tough. Mm-hmm. And Bayern didn't get Leroy Zane this summer, but they did get even Perisic. <laughs> he's been all right so far, though, right? By all accounts. He's been doing all right. Yeah, yeah. Guess, he's, he's, he's that player you want to have in the squad too, you know. Um, you, you, like he's actually starting um, a few games in the Bundesliga, yeah. and it's quite apparent that you know Kovac is trying to do the smart thing and rest Coman and Gnabry, because we know they're not going to play 34 games plus whatever Champions League and Cup games they have, because um, yeah. they're injured all the time. So I think um, 
Perisic is one of that signings. You play him on the left wing every, um, every other day, game, yeah. day of the week or every every other game, and yeah. he'll make a difference in the Bundesliga. And then um, it gives you the chance to to rest the, the the top players a little bit. Yeah, you so give it's, him. It's good twenty five games in a season. Yeah, it's enough to rest, mm-hmm. especially someone like Coman that is so prone to injury. Yeah. So it's not a bad signing, definitely. Yeah, not. I mean, it's a solution of anything. Um, but yeah, he's known to be a bit of a difficult character, but that doesn't seem to be an issue at the moment. So. Um, yeah, we'll why see. not? <laughs> and he's just on loan, so uh, he's probably going to be gone next season. Yeah. <laughs> Leroy Sané is coming in. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a big debate raging in Germany at the moment about uh, the national team goalkeeper. Will it be Mark andre Ter Stegen? <laughs> Will it be Manuel Neuer? Alex, you wrote a story about some comments made by Uli Hermes this yes. morning that I read. What was that about? Um, he said that uh, he would refuse to let the German national team pick any Bayern players if... Drops Neuer and picks to stay. We've so, peaked. Wow, it's the sort of Trump, <laughs> Trumpian approach. Peak Hernes right now. So, uh, as good he's, as he's aware of the Spot FIFA regulations. Yeah. That he's literally <laughs> not allowed to do that. Just an absolute. Uh, yeah, I won't say what I mean, he's never once to mince his words, Hernes. Has he? Uh, that's what Now that he's yeah. sort of on his way out of the club, he's just sort of taking screw shots it. Yeah, he's like, yeah, screw it. Yeah. I, mean. I had that conversation uh, a few days with, with Alex. Um, a few days ago with Alex, and um, I mean, like, obviously, he's a uh, tax. Dodger and you know he's his the things he keeps saying lately is all a bit like over the top. Um, we all know he's peaked a long time ago, and I think for him it's time to go um, for him to go. But um, nevertheless, I think um, Bayern fans really appreciate what he's done for the club. Let's not forget that. But you yeah. know, it's definitely time for him to pack his bag and and leave the club. Because <laughs> I mean, I'm, I always liked his sort of you know what he says. It's all a bit controversial. You know, he's stir up things a little bit I, I kind of like that you know it's entertaining it's fun to watch um, but what he's doing now it's like is he out of his mind <laughs> but yeah, co- very, coming back to the testing and Neuer um, situation um, let's face it testing is about keeping yeah, it right. exactly. the answer yeah. pretty obvious yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd yeah, really like Jürgen Love to call his bluff and say alright I won't pick your players and then yeah. let Hernus explain but, to yeah. the players why they're not in the national and, team and like the, what, what Testigen basically said after the last international break wasn't like he said I'm disappointed because apparently Louis promised him game time and if he doesn't get it like you know being he's in, yeah, the best or you know one of the best goalkeepers in the world like he, I think he's entitled to express his sort of yeah, you know course. feelings about yeah, it, yeah. and I don't understand. Of course, Hoeneß, like we all know that, like he is sort of you know protecting his players, he's protecting his squad, he's protecting his his club. Uh, fair enough, and um, even Neuer can say something about it. But um, at the end of the day, uh, talk all you want. Testing is the better keeper. Yeah, agrees. Mm-hmm. Agrees. Uh, RB Leipzig are currently top of the Bundesliga. Is Julian Nagelsmann working his magic there? Well, um, is it the Nagelsmann effect? I, I I don't see how knows an answer. Like the team just functions marvelously. I mean, yeah, they were one guy down the other game, went three 0 regardless. Like it's it's amazing how well the team can react and reorganize itself depending on situations. Like you can tell they found like Leipzig found the coach that was bold enough to do what that team can potentially do, which is because that team is neck breaking whenever you see them play. Like every single player can peak at yeah, you know, 34, right. 35 kilometers. It's insanely quick. And they're just really smart kids too. So put them together and you found a coach that finally understood how to stir this together and how to make it, you know, a bit uh, solid and not wobbly as it was under Rocknick under certain spells or, or even Hasenfeld before that. Um, and you see a team that is, you know, a very, very serious contender, even before people thought they would actually be contenders because once he came in, you kind of knew, okay, this is going to be interesting, what, maybe two years, three years down the line. But this season's been amazing so far. It just click. 
Yeah. And they're so sharp, like it's so amazing. So, so good. And they're very well coached. And the the Bayern game, like, was um, that, yeah. quite nice. And um, Bayern first half, I thought were dominating Leipzig. Um, we're the better team. Yeah. Nagelsmann halftime makes changes, and like second half, they're suddenly us, yeah. amazing, and they're yeah. destroyed by it. Um, which I don't know. Let's put it the way that it speaks more for Nagelsmann than it speaks against Kovac, I suppose. But yeah. Um, but yeah, well coached team, like a great in depth squad with a lot of talent. Um, these days, he usually sort of plays the first eleven from like the last season, so it's all yeah. you know. It just clicks. I don't know. It, it feels feels pretty good, and and you know, I wouldn't be surprised if they'd be on top at the end of the season. Yeah. No one would love to see it, obviously. I was going to say, how how would German football react to that? Would there be uh, mass protests? Well, was it were there any mass protests when, when Wolfsburg won the thing? Like, no, but I think it's different. I mean, obviously, it's this sort is a of bit the, more on the on the nose kind of thing. Yeah, cut off Red Bull. Throughout the country, <laughs> <laughs> who's, who's still drinking that? <laughs> so the only place I've ever drunk that was like with Jägermeister <laughs> in Leeds. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's definitely going to be it's going to be a scene. I'll say that much. I mean, but I think that in the end, it's 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 a decent team doing putting aside the whole brand and what they are yeah. and what they represent. I mean, they're doing the right thing. I mean, it's a they're throwing money, but the money they're throwing is signing young players, bringing in young coaches developing an actual system, building a, a fan base around that. And lo and behold, things kind of, you know, click. So mm. once you factor out who are behind that, it's it's an interesting project. Yeah, I, I think everybody will right be... Way, I? I yeah, yeah so it's probably what they represent. They what they represent is the real way. issue here. It's the ethics yeah. behind it. But sporting-wise, I mean, everybody would be thrilled to have such a, you know, description yeah. of a club happening in their own league I suppose yeah. but on the yeah. other hand everyone everyone's been complaining about this for years boring boring Bundesliga Bayern yeah. too dominant and mm-hmm. and then come um, Dortmund here and now there we have this sort of perspective of having three um, really really good teams in, in, in the league and which you know ultimately will make things more interesting and yeah. if it's Leipzig okay well I'm against the concept of course but um that's 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 how modern football works, right? I mean, like yeah, I mean, we 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 love watching City as well because it's wonderful to watch. But we know there Alex is. Doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> Alex Alex is an Oxford United <laughs> fan. He doesn't know what good football looks like. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's that it's, it's a different league. It's a different scenario. Three teams on top fighting for something. Definitely and Freiburg <laughs> and Freiburg. God bless him, man. God bless the team. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely. It's, it's an overall improvement for the sport, I think. It's mm-hmm. young players playing good football under a good coach. How is that a bad thing? Very true. Uh, over in La Liga, Barcelona got back to winning ways with a 2-1 victory over Villarreal on Tuesday night. Has that result eased the pressure on Ernesto Valverde somewhat? Not really, because it was at home. And the big criticism has been that Barca are, well, shit away from home. Mm-hmm. Um, they drop points every time they play away. Granada was the last match away from home before Villarreal. Uh, of the worst start to a season for 25 years. Was exactly. Yeah. Thereabouts, yeah. yeah. Uh, they lost. They lose to Granada, who in all their might and all their you know uh, glory, you know, they're still a reasonably promoted team. You wouldn't expect them to beat Barca and too. And Barcelona so. were terrible as well. Exactly, because that's so the other bad. thing. It's not that they're dropping points here and there or having the worst start in God knows how long. It's the way they're doing it. It's very, very amateurish mistakes, very un-Barca uh, things that you wouldn't expect. But then again, you spend all summer you know, stirring the pot, trying to make one deal work, offering basically your whole squad in exchange. Maybe the relationship is a bit broken <laughs> yeah. and not necessarily because of the coach, is it? I mean, mm. the club is at fault here a little bit as well. I mean, I think that plays a bit into the factor of, of that invincibility, the fact that also Messi is now benched 
uh, most of the time um, due to physical injury, basically, no other reason. Uh, also, I think is making the team a bit aware of how reliant they were on him saving the day. Now that he isn't there, who is saving the day? There is no one. Uh, that Granada game, Messi would have come on in the you know, 45th minute, scored a hat trick, and that was it. Best performance of the season for Messi. <laughs> Three points for Barcelona, easy away from home. He's gone now, and the rest are still kind of struggling to step up. Suarez has been injured a bunch. He's now back. Griezmann is still kind of working his way into the squad. Um, the young is not quite there yet, but he can tell he's he's sharp and kind of understands what it is he's doing there now. So mm-hmm. I think that going on forward, once the roles are clearer, once everyone's a bit more in tune with what Messi can actually deliver the seasons, mm-hmm. how much they can actually get out of him this season, uh, I think they'll have a better plan or where they, where they stand at least. But right now it's pretty much up in the air, if anything. Mm-hmm. There's been some talk of if uh, Valverde does go, of Xavi potentially taking over. He's currently managing <laughs> Al Sadd in the Qatari Stars League. Well, it's a bit of a leap, that, isn't it? To, let's put it that Barcelona. way. The whole the whole thing started uh, with him saying he would do it. So obviously, that's a headline, but you know, I would say that too. And, you know, I would coach Barca too, willy-nilly. Is he good enough for Barca? I don't think so. Um, especially, well, considering there aren't that many options around. But, you know, you still have Kike Setien, who's like this huge Guardiola you know, fan, a huge fan of the Barca culture and Barca school of football and everything. I mean, let Xavi develop as a coach first and bring him up properly and give him a chance once he's earned it. It would be a bit like the Manchester United way bringing Solskjaer in. Well, yeah. It's not. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's sort of like a long wheel. haul. It's like a long haul solution, Xavi, kind of. But, I mean, you have this guy who, worst case scenario, will save the season. I mean, you could win it with him, arguably, with a brand of football more akin to what you are with Barcelona. If Bayern can win the title with Kovac Yeah, I mean, then you can Barcelona win. don't get rid of managers mid-season, do they? I think the last time they did it was like 93 or 94. Yeah, it's, it's, they're not um, the sort to not, do they're that. They're not. No. They're the sort of, in every way, the anti-Real Madrid. So I just, yeah. I think they'll stick to their principles and give Valverde the season, despite it. It'd have to be a serious collapse for them to yeah, I mean, get rid of him, I think. Yeah, we're starting twenty five years. From well, now. yeah, but yeah, but they're still what they. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, I'm not saying he's. The table I don't think. I don't think he the should be sacked. Hider, to be yeah. fair. Uh, yeah, I don't think he should be sacked. I think he will be sacked, which is very different. I think they should have got rid of him in the summer, shouldn't they? It had had they done, had they won that? They yeah, done yeah it, exactly. Think, not now. I think they probably know that now. Yeah, especially um, like almost three hundred million in yeah. the market. In like you know, yeah. it's, I don't know. I mean, like, we, twice. We, we say that like I should have gotten rid of that manager, this manager, like maybe Soldier or Valverde. Um, we used to complain about that, you know, managers never get the chance to sort of like give him some time and all yeah. that. Um, yeah, but he's been, yeah, but he's been there three, two years now, yeah, and friends. Rome and Anfield happened, yeah. and that's yeah, that's not an accident. Is that is that again a case of just you know the lack of alternatives? Because I feel like Possibly, you know yeah. Yeah, that's happening second. a lot more in like um, in European that. football that you know. There's just, that. Who but, do you replace him with? But there's also another factor, and a lot of people, a lot of people don't bring this up. But Barca have won the league quite a lot lately. That's it. This I mean, is the danger of putting all your eggs in the Champions League. Basket. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you become really hard to win. You've you become very complacent, it. and now like, okay, yeah. you won eight of the last eleven leagues. Of course, it's going to get this sort of Juventus, PSG, Bayern mm. vibe here and there. I mean, fans became entitled. Barca has far away from the team it was ten years ago when everybody was excited about what they were mm. and what they represented, like the whole Mexican club thing. Now people kind of you know, I think a bit arrogant, aren't they? Yeah. So, I don't know, I think that whole fade, it just faded away from them, and they're just that other big club that's complaining about winning to, well, not winning as much as they would wish to win, mm-hmm. but yeah. Well, a team who isn't winning as much as they would wish to win, and a manager who is also under pressure is Zidane at Real Madrid. Yeah. They won 1-0 against Sevilla at the weekend. 
you think that eases the pressure on him a little bit as well? Um, it does in the sense that it was a really like they they deserved to win that game because they played good football for the first time in a while. So there you kind of sense that the fans got a bit less rabid. But yeah, it's not a good season for them, is it so far? Like you just got beaten, you know, three 0 in Paris. Was it three 0 in the end? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, like obviously there's a lot of going on, and the sort of like the myth of Zidane slowly fades away, especially mm-hmm. in, a, in a fan base that you know volatile. There, you know, it just takes three bad results and it's pretty more bust than that for Real Madrid. Well, yeah, a, yeah, and uh, yeah. But what I what it would be good for them and what will be good for Zidane down the road is the fact that the injured players are starting to come back like little by little. Valverde was included in the squad this last week, and that for once meant three center midfielders, four center midfielders in one lineup for like three match days already. So. You know, that's a little bit of leeway. Uh, Bale is kind of still proving he's still you know, up for it. Hamas turns out to be an, an interesting solution to the team. He hasn't been injured quite yet. Uh, uh, Hazard has gotten back as well. So little by little, the team is kind of like revamping. It won't be enough so far, but once I think they're full throttle, they can actually assess how much, you know, Mendy brings to the team, Jovic can bring to the team, and then actually well, see what Sidan can do with this team or not at all. Mm. There was an interesting report in Mundo Deportivo last week where they were saying that Florentino Perez sort of realised during pre-season this year that he perhaps dropped a bit of a clangor bringing Zidane back to the club and he's now thinking of getting rid of him. And he's looking at Xabi Alonso as possible replacement. Been, yeah, yeah, they, they've been touting him as sort of like the next big, uh, the next big, well, paradoxically Zidane, you know, the big coach, uh, former player to win everything for the club kind of. Um, I could be. A, yeah, I'd I'm be a amazed, fan. but Xabi Alonso seems like a very sensible. He's you know, he's brilliant. I'd be, yeah, I'd be amazed if he thought that his first proper senior management job could be around. Do you say no to that though? Uh, I, d- you I don't feel like it. he would be that sort of person yeah. to say no. I mean, he's as he's what you say. He's a clever guy, and he yeah. understands that th- he understands things best than, better than most of us. I, I'd say. Um, and he's doing a formidable job as a coach in the youth division. I think what they're trying to do is avoid the Solari mistake of just keeping him in the youth division to stagnant for a while and just push him towards professionalism. Yeah. Um, if Zidane leaves bringing him on board, I think it would be too rash. It would be Xavi taking over Barca. Um, but uh, I think that he has what it takes for maybe oh, next summer. I definitely think he, he will be Real Madrid manager one day. Eventually. Just be a ma- now yeah, now it's a bit too he, soon. It's the yeah. same. Yeah, it's the same as we just said. But uh, but yeah, I mean he's 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 quality as a coach. He's doing quite well. And so. you think of all the managers that he's played under as well. He's pretty much played under every big manager in yeah, the basically. past mm. ten years. So yeah. I could see him being a brilliant coach, but just not around Madrid just yet. I've not really got my head around this idea of all these ex well, recently ex players being managers of big clubs. You know, you've got Lampard at Chelsea, <laughs> Solskjaer. It's like it's like being in a um, feel old a, yet? A football manager simulation. <laughs> yeah. Like. yeah, yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, football players have been turning into coaches since forever. That's that's where they come yeah. from mostly. But it does like it's very very rash how they're deciding like oh just bring a, a club legend and that'll that'll do. It, it just seems like a marketing solution. It doesn't seem like a sporting solution. Mm-hmm. You want something decent, then look for someone I don't know at least comparably good as as the guy you're bringing in who has some experience. You know, but so maybe it's just the time for a new generation of managers I mean like you see, see yeah, as well. you said everywhere and it's, mm-hmm. it's it's weird kind of like you think 10 years back like I mean that's that's how old we are guys like you've, you've seen <laughs> I've seen the Paderborn manager like you know he, he used to be a striker for Hansa Rostock in the Bundesliga and that seems yeah, yeah. like 10 years away and now he's like doing that it's it's, it's all a bit bit weird like it's, you know these these, these um, yeah. players who we, we sort of grew up with and now they're they're sitting on the bench like coaching yeah I mean that's not my issue I, think. I mean it happens in the Bundesliga the whole time like 
when was the last time Bremen brought someone from outside? Like the last three coaches have been all like in like in house. Yeah, mine's kind of the same. Augsburg are trying to do that. Like it happens a lot in, in certain leagues, but it's the leap of quality. Like Xavi going from Qatari football to coaching a four billion club doesn't yeah. work that way, buddy. I mean, I mean, you, club legend aside, you don't have the chops for it, do you? I mean, yeah, you gotta earn that. I'm looking forward to Pep Guardiola leaving City and passing the baton on to Joey Barton anyway. That's, <laughs> that's the club legend we need back, back in the Etihad. Uh, well, on that note, we'll, uh, we'll have to leave it there, I'm afraid. Uh, thank you to Alex, Toby and Danny for joining me today. Thank you to you guys for listening at home. Don't forget to get your questions in for us for next week to podcast at onefootball.com and we'll see you then. I love you.